You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Therapy Association podcast. Um, if you're listening to the recording, then thank you very much. Be very kind if you do enjoy the episode to leave a review, um, particularly on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, because that just helps us be seen more in the rankings and more people. The good word of our fantastic guests gets out to more people. So if you are listening to podcasts, thank you very much. Of course, you are always invited to come and listen to the live video podcast recording, which is on a Tuesday. It has been Tuesday at eight o'clock. Pretty much um, eight o'clock, sometimes nine o'clock. It's an international guest, but yeah, we've been going live on Tuesdays for 68 episodes now, 68 weeks, uh, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, you're welcome to come join us in uh, on the Facebook page for Sports Therapy Association. You don't have to be a member, um, or if you prefer, then you can join us on the YouTube live stream as well on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube page, uh, YouTube channel. Um, if you do join us live, if it suits you, then that's great because you can network with other people. When you ask questions to our guests live, then um, I can bring up on screen um, to get a chance to show off your flashy or not so flashy um, Facebook icon. For example, here we go. Alistair's in the house. Hey, Alistair, how are you doing? Evening all. How are you? There's Alistair blowing what I think is a didgeridoo. Stephen's here as well. So, yeah, it's lovely to join live. It's a great network opportunity, particularly for younger sports therapists. I recommend all my students come along here just to chill out and see what we do in the Sports Therapy Association. There won't be anyone running around online virtually with bits of paper telling you to sign up. It's just a chance for you to hang out with um, fellow soft tissue therapists and see what we're all up to. Bam, people are now racing into the room. Fantastic. Right. So before we get cracking on with tonight's guest, um, I just want to make sure that I thank uh, last week's guest, Dr. David Rhodes, um, which was all based off a fantastic uh, Twitter. And it was clickbait when I put it out. Um, Sports therapists, stop pretending to be physios. I still love it when I say it. I feel so empowered saying that. And he said it. And it was a great episode because you did get a few people going, whoa, what are you talking about? We're not pretending to be physios. And it was great because because Dr. David Rhodes, who's the course lead in Doctor of Professional Studies in Elite Performance at the University of Central Lancashire, um, he is a well, he qualified as a sports scientist in 2003, sports therapy master's 2008, PhD 2017. He is singing the praises of the sports therapy profession um, and his comment in context was, why are we always comparing ourselves to physios? It really is apples to oranges. Um, and it's our own, un it's, it's our undoing and it will be undoing unless we stop doing it. Um, there's no point in paying to yourself to a physio. And, and David talked us through all of the reasons and the simple fact that physiotherapy is a totally different course. If you're into sport and getting three years of MSK um, and working conditioning and strength and rehab purely for MSK issues in sports and athletes, then sports therapy is the way to go. And physio shouldn't really be arguing with that at all because physiotherapy is full of all the other beautiful things in the body. If you want to work with the NHS, you want to work in all the other departments, intensive care and paediatricians and old age and all these things, respiratory and then physiotherapy is your way to go. So we've got to stop this kind of, I think it comes what we talked about before in this kind of like um, imposter syndrome where we think, yeah, I'm a sports therapist, but I'm not a physio yet. I'm not a physio. Um, so I've never really reached my pinnacle in life. We've got to stop doing that. It's destroying the industry. Um, and there's good and bad in all professions as well. So anyway, it's a great episode. And um, I thank Dr. David Rhodes again for his time. 
if you want to check it out obviously it's available as a podcast you can check it out in your favorite podcast player it's if you like the video if you want to see us talking live in, in action in the video then you can see it on youtube i haven't managed yet slap my hand put it on the uh, sports derby association webpage yet because it's just been so busy at work but uh, normally it will do all the other episodes are up at um, the web address which is the sta.co.uk and um, so there's lots of ways to find it but anyway so that was uh, Dr. David Bowes, fantastic. And we will get him back. A lot of people have asked this game back. We will do, promise you. Talking of getting guests back, um, we enjoyed this guest so much that we asked her back in a year after she appeared first back in um, last year. No, this is one of the busiest guests I think we've had. It is Dr. Claire Minchell, which um, as soon as I put it out, we had people going, yay, hooray, hurrah. And, and she's so modest as well. But I'm just before we bring her up here, um, I am going to just, uh, yeah, once again say, um, if you're not following uh, Dr. Claire Minshall and get back to sport, then you should be. I mean, a lot of you I know who are coming in the room here now have done the courses. And it's the one thing which I am always telling people who come to me, soft tissue therapists, because traditional um, syllabuses do miss out the strength and conditioning. And if there's any bolt on which a soft tissue therapist always needs after pretty much any course they do in soft tissue therapy, it's the strength and conditioning. You know, because that is such a major part. And if you're interested in that, then do go back to last year and check out. I think it was episode 11, maybe, um, which was all about that. But we've got it back tonight. Um, some of you may be aware that back in July, um, there was a slight, as she put it, bike car altercation, um, which ended up with pretty serious injuries um, with um, concussion and also a dislocated sternoclavicular joint um and um yeah it was a shock to a lot of people and it for me I, and i think everybody was watching intensely because it was like one of our own was like oh my god surely not if, if something can break claire minchell then you can break anything so um so we're really glad to hear that um she's on the mend and she's kind of coming on tonight to talk about her recovery what she's up to uh back to work and um, yes, yeah, so we're looking forward to it. As always, if you've got any questions or comments, then do feel free to write them on YouTube. I can bring them up on the screen. Um, and I've told Claire that if she sees anything in the touchline, which looks interesting, then just to say, oh, Sarah says something interesting there. Can I just address what Becky said? And so on. Make sense? Same format every week. I just like going through it. So without further ado, let me um, get rid of that. And let me bring up um, Claire. Here we go. Hey Claire, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Laughing just, away down there. I know, I just thought of that, the fear of if something can break the Minshall, then it, <laughs> all of us are susceptible to injury. Bike sales have gone down like 93%. Uh, um, how are you, first of all? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm in a good place. Thank you. That's yeah, good. I'm all the better for being here. It's always lovely to, to chat to you and such a lovely audience as well. Feeling the love already. People are saying, I hope I'm doing well. So thank you so much. Um, there is a lot of love you and every time I've told you that you've gone oh well that's very nice Matt kind of thing <laughs> and when, when we were talking about what to talk about so I was like well let's just talk about what's happened to you do, do you think so and it's like yeah the people want to know the people want to know so um, thank you for, for what is going to come up and also yeah I mean it's really interesting as well from a more selfish point of view for therapists to hear what you're doing to make yourself better because it's like wow what's Claire doing to herself um, uh, <laughs> or maybe not maybe you're depending on other people and that's part of the interesting conversation as well so um there we go so how should we for people who don't know you first of all because I get very excited there's like about 1500 people download this podcast now um awesome, every episode Matt. which is great and I'm hoping yeah. although I love the 
37, 47 people in the room at the moment. I imagine they all know you, but I want to talk to the 1,500 people who don't know you. So give us a little recap on who you are, Claire. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember since the knock on the head. <laughs> I don't know. I'm filling the gaps. <laughs> Good. We've, got that. We've got that joke out of the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, uh, what am I? Um, do, uh, maybe mixture. you need a little bit of help. Let me just put a screenshot of your website up to remind you who you are and what you do. Here we go. Oh, okay. That would help. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, think, think that's familiar yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. yeah <laughs> there, there you go, go. <clears throat> you design you design it's design. very flashy it's very it nice my design is just he's yeah, awesome yeah. um so what do i do? so i'm a mixture of um i suppose former academic researcher current uh practitioner um done i also been a, an athlete as well uh what else that basically that i guess uh with a clinical emphasis on research and um i've worked in the nhs as well um and uh, yeah all my interest is on how we can improve rehabilitation and conditioning uh wherever that comes so whether it's trying to prevent injury but probably more so we've got better effect i think um in terms of the leaps and bounds that we can make with some simple principles following surgery following injury uh, and particularly as as you know my, my my real passion is in um better managing osteophritis so particularly knee uh, and also the hip so yeah i run get back to sport which enables me to uh disseminate my knowledge to people that really count like you guys and if i can you know, help in any way to make your interventions um, a little bit more tailored and more specific, improve your outcomes by sharing what I know, then that that's what makes me feel good. So, Fantastic. Um, See, what a lovely person. Look at that. People in the house are like, oh, you know what she said? Oh, lovely. But it's great. And, <laughs> and the important thing is it's a uh, passion for me. The thing which attracts me is it's like you say, it's it's putting research into clinical practice. Um, because strength and conditioning, the last time you were here, obviously, we were talking more about that and some of the myths and misconceptions in strength and conditioning. Mm. Is it getting better um, or do you think there's still a lot of information out there which is kind of missing some of the mark? Well, you know what? Mm. It is. Um, so I, I know I did a, a lot over lockdown um, webinars and um, and the like, and maybe people were had more time on their hands as well to kind of listen to that stuff. And I think generally just that topic of of conversation of it's called, you know, we understand it as strength and conditioning, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot more than that. I'm, I'm actually a neuromuscular physiologist, um, but, you know, kind of, I suppose elements of strength and conditioning, well, they definitely come into that, but we need to know the, the fundamentals first. So I think that that topic of conversation has become I guess, bigger and louder and more prevalent within the therapy world. And point in fact, so um, not this just weekend, the weekend before I got back to in-person teaching, which was just a a thrill and delight at uh, a guy called Jack Chu. Chu? I've heard of him. I think he was having a go at Santander on Twitter about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, uh, so we run a, a run a course out of, of his uh, great facility down in Manchester, and I anticipated 
that, and that was the first in eight, 18 months. Um, and I anticipated perhaps the knowledge of the room would be slightly higher, if not a lot higher than 18 months prior. And um, obviously it's a, a biased audience as well, or a self-selected in audience, but it was. Um, and when I, and we'll see how we go. So I've got lots of in-person courses coming up. Um, not sure what that was. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling apart in here. Um, but I, I said at the start of the course, um, I, I ask people for a definition of strength. What do they understand by strength? And when I started out teaching, uh, I used to get at least five different definitions. Uh, and now maybe there's a couple and there's a much better understanding of what that is, which is encouraging um, because it means we can then all talk along the same lines. Um, we can do have the same or if we've got different goals but we've got a common understanding but also we're able to kind of take things on a little bit further now so yeah I think it's improving for sure good yeah I think you're perfectly I think you're totally right therapists we said this a few times because of COVID one of the the positive things which come out of COVID and hopefully there's positive things that come out of even the worst things in the world is that therapists are talking more so therapists now are having a conversation of but what is strength you know, which before would be regarded as real kind of long grey beard, strokey, strokey stuff. But it's actually a topic which therapists are showing. And it's really valuable, isn't it? Because it's not just get stronger. You know, it really depends on the people you're working with and, and, and what. And it's understanding what you mean by that. I think that's the important thing. So do you know what you mean by getting somebody stronger? Do you really want to get them stronger or do you want to make them more powerful and express force more quickly? Or do you want them to be able to react more quickly? Do you, you know, and where does strength come in with that? So, yeah, it's, it's understanding specifically what you are talking about, what you want to achieve, which means once you've done that, then it's pretty easy then to construct the best exercise stroke rehab intervention to achieve those things. And you, you minimize redundancy of, of effort on everybody's part. Fantastic. We've got some lovely people coming in. Nick Knight, hi, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Nick. Nick. And M. Turner just reiterated um, people that really count, like you guys, quotations. Oh, feeling the love oh. and encouragement. There you go. You move people there. You just move Thanks people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's interesting because you've got a new course that has come out already. Um, and if I know, if I read it rightly, um, it's closing soon, isn't it? I think the yeah, Friday. So this is the, Friday. yeah, Strength and Conditioning for Therapists online course. It's been... Um, running now for I think this is a sixth enrollment or fifth enrollment so we do twice a year um so every March and September so it's it's hugely popular I'm I'm I'm, um, really pleased to say and globally as well so we get therapists from all over um during the program too so it's it it creates a really good community as well so it's not just a a faceless in-person online course there's a, a a private group that goes with that and everybody stays in that group so there's hundreds of therapists from all over that can con, um, contribute to discussion as well. So coming from different countries, different perspectives, different types of therapy and conditioning background. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, and everybody's lovely in that. So <laughs> a very encouraging. It's nice. There's some lovely uh, 
um, comments there in your in your yeah quotes from people who've done the course and attended and it is very very international it's great to see um so yeah so people listening to the podcast obviously you can't see the screen um grabs that i'm putting on here now but if you're interested in uh, finding out more about um, claire and um, the course then go to getbacktosport.com. So that's all one word, getbacktosport.com. And then if you click on the academy, um, then you'll see uh, the enrollment. Actually, no, it's, on the, it's not the academy. It's actually on the, the homepage oh, or on, the... on online courses. The academy. Ah, on courses, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Of is Friday, guys. This is Friday. Right. <laughs> so was it always planned? Was it planned to come out in July and then something got in the way or? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I keep keep bringing bringing that up. Uh, no, it's it's um, yeah. Always uh, we we launch it at the end of August. Um, start the enrolment okay. end of August. Yeah. So let's go back to July now. Um, again, yeah. apologies to people watching the podcast because you can't see what I've done. Basically, is take some screenshots with Claire's permission from her Facebook account, and and the first thing I'm starting at is basically I think it looks like. Did you take this picture? It's basically someone's yeah. legs in a stretcher strapped in in a hospital. Um, and it says, uh, car versus bike. I'm out of action for a bit. Me last Friday, hit by a car mm. and knocked off my bike. So, so yeah, what wow. state what, what state were you in when you took that photo? Was that you or someone behind you? Yeah, yeah no, that was me. I'd just come off the ambulance there um, and they put me in a, a holding area before I went to through to... Uh, major kind of trauma unit um so i was in a uh thankfully a bit more of a coherent state than when i got on to the ambulance um so i was uh, i was i was basically taken out by a car coming from behind and then coming across into me um i've got no apart from i guess that initial recognizing there was a car at my front wheel and then feeling like load of pain down my right side for a split second i've got no memory of what happened for about 15 minutes after that still um so um uh, i yeah and when i started to come round, i've just found myself sat on the pavement talking to some bloke i didn't know the police were there i didn't know my name i didn't know where i was going i didn't know where i was i was completely it was really scary um just so disorientated but i didn't know anything i didn't know my date of birth didn't know where i lived um <laughs> to be fair i was shitting myself there we go <laughs> what and there's this lovely man sat next to me who was talking to me um who turned out he he was a fellow cyclist and didn't see what happened but recognized there was a, a problem there and he was just so utterly helpful um so yeah I didn't really know what was going on. Um, but in that state, I kind of got into the ambulance um, and started to, you know, I could remember um, my date of birth, which was starting to come back, which was quite quite reassuring. Um, by the time I got to the hospital, um, I was I was coherent and um, I knew what I was doing. I was actually, that day, I was actually cycling to the gym i had a meeting after the gym meeting a guy called rich moore who's a, a therapist in nottingham and then i had a meeting with evie martin online afterwards and uh, yeah none of none of that happened something we oh, lost oh, the internet oh, we're, we're, we're there we're we're back. Back. that's okay yeah, yeah i've got a message saying 
Okay, I think everyone's with us still. Yeah, sorry. So you had a meeting that day. That was the last thing I heard. Oh, yeah, it was. So I was just wondering whether it's um, my connection to the internet. Um, so, yeah, I was cycling to the gym and then going to see, uh, have a, a catch-up with a, a therapist in Nottingham uh, called Rich Moore. And then I was meant to have a meeting straight after that online with E.B. Martin. <laughs> and then, obviously, no, none of that happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Have you ever suffered concussion before? Never, never. Oh, it right. was, it's, it's been a weird and sometimes horrible uh, process. Yeah. And, and experience. I didn't really realize I had concussion then, which is a stupid thing because, you know, I'd been hit by a, a car, my helmet was all smashed up. And all oh. I knew was uh, the main pain was here. Um, and I just wanted to get out of there really. Um, but yeah, then when st things started to settle down, um, or the chaos started to settle, then yeah, then those concussive symptoms were were fa fairly prevalent. Which I'm still suffering a little bit now, actually. To be fair, have you been knocked off your bike before? Uh, yep, I have. I have. Okay. Um, but not like that. But not, not like, like that. This, so, yeah. yeah, that was. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. And that's what we're kind of getting into, I think. So now if you were working with somebody else who had suffered concussion, you've got that link now. You kind of know what they've got through. So it's kind of almost like extra empathy because you've been mm. there kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, There's a lot of I'm... concussion courses, aren't there, for people who are particularly doing pitch side and rugby and uh, and that. But again, unless you've been there and felt it, it's you're kind of nodding, but you don't really know. But now you know. Yeah, I've I've had plenty of injuries and plenty of surgeries, and plenty of you know if you've I think there's a bit on my site about being literally bedridden. So I know I know what that's like, and I have a you know a real empathy and understanding. Although I got another layer of it this time. But in terms of a concussion, no, I, I don't. I, which is really strange given the amount of sport that I've played and different types of sport. I've never really known anybody close to me suffer a concussion, which is so bizarre and strange. But yeah, I, yeah, I sympathy and empathy for, for anybody that's suffered it now, you know, not that I didn't before, but you, you have that empathy, obviously, when you, when you experience it yourself. Definitely. Have you, have right. you, you must have had a concussion, Matt. Why'd you say that? <laughs> What you in? What is it about my persona? Arts? Oh right, I see. I thought you were commenting oh, you on some kind of punch job. Like... <laughs> I'm six foot six. I didn't get kicked in the head much. Uh, I was doing the kicking. Yeah, I got yeah, some yeah. kicked in the ribs a lot, and uh, but no one actually reached my chin. I was fine. <laughs> ricochet, ricochet up. No, I have. I played rugby as a youth, and I did run into conversion post once and knocked myself out, which is wow. more to do with my sense of direction than anything else. But that was a long time ago, and I think I just remember. My my um, kind of coach at the time just kind of dragging me up by the shoulder and saying, you staying on, you getting off? And I'm like, oh, we're staying on. Is that the right answer? That was a long time ago. I don't think people took it as seriously as it is now. But I don't think it had many um, long-term effects. Sorry, I lost my words there. So it should be okay. Anyway, right, let's move on to the next. We should make jokes about concussions. It's a serious thing. Right, let's go on to uh, the next photo. Now, again, sorry for people listening to the podcast. Uh, we had here... Uh, this was now 22nd of July. Came here yesterday to see the brilliant Graham. Tivoli Strong. Tivoli Strong. 
Um, yeah. What he doesn't know about the um, sacroiliac joint isn't worth knowing. Um, likely surgery next week. I'm lucky to be alive. Okay, so yeah. tell us Still about that. Sternocorbicular joint um, rather than sacroiliac, but never mind. Um, yeah, so it was, I didn't really know much about the, the joint, as in I kind of knew the anatomy, but, but I, again, it's a, a really, I found out um, quite quickly after uh, that it was, it didn't feel right. And then when I got home, it really didn't look right. And it looked unstable. Um, and I just say now I am so utterly fortunate and blessed to know so many wonderful people out there, which has meant that, you know, because I got discharged. Well, in fact, I discharged myself from my e because I was in there for nine hours and I was just causing a disruption as in there was in the way and the work getting my results back and nothing was going to happen I was going to go back to fracture clinic in however many weeks time so um I contacted a, a consultant friend of mine to get his um thoughts on the issue he referred me for an MRI and it became quite uh, apparent quite quickly that I needed to do something quite quickly about it potentially because then you know there's you, you could leave it in position um, or out of position and conservatively manage it, but it, given what I suspected was it was going to be unstable and probably wouldn't let me continue to do the things that I want to do. Um, and then the ultimate intervention is a, a full reconstructive surgery where they take, you know, a, a, a gracilis and kind of drill into your, your, your sternum and go around the back and have a cardiothoracic surgeon on standby and, like I didn't quite fancy that, but um, so then I was, uh, you know, again, so many lovely, lovely people. I thanked Renny on on Twitter um, for steering me into what what I should be doing or who I should see. So I t- contacted Joe Gibson and just said, um, "Have you got any thoughts? You know, help." Immediately, she said, "This is your guy. You need to go see him. He that's what he does surgery here." Um, so then I ended up, that's how I ended up at the Spire. Um, and thankfully he, he saw me and we had a a good old conversation, but what became apparent, um, in that consultation was that the whole capsule and all of the, basically the, the SCJ posteriorly dislocated first and disrupted all the capsule such that. I was wondering why I was going, don't worry, you're okay. You know, you're all right. I'm like, <coughs> what What do you mean? And I'm like, and then, then it became apparent, like literally a couple of millimeters further probably. And then, you know, I probably wouldn't be here because of all the, the venous structures, material structures that sit behind there. Um, so, yeah, it posteriorly dislocated first, then came anteriorly and sat up in a super anterior uh, uh, position. So it was a you know um, a decision to to um, have have surgery, and he, again fortunate he put me on the the NHS list because all of this is you know MRI pay for myself and and the the consultations and I'm not you know I haven't got private health insurance and something needed to be done quickly, um, so it's, it's quite a stressful time really. So he, he, anyway, he put me on his trauma list for the following week, and he's specialised and developed this 
um, I won't call it an interim surgery, but a surgery that has a chance of working to stabilize the joint without having to do the full reconstruction. So they kind of pull the um, clavicle back into position, fixate it with a, the, an internal brace, like a, I guess, like an anterior, um, a uh, artificial type ligament, screw that into position and then repair all the, the ligamentous fibers and the disc was damaged as well. So um, that's what we discussed. And then that's what was done the, the following week. Well, and at this stage, what was kind of pain and movement like for you? Um, it was it was pretty bad, pretty bad, and I was suffering pain in the at the other end of the clavicle as well, so the ACJ, um, and I don't know why that was that was there, but yeah, I couldn't flex the shoulder at all when um, when I saw him. But yeah, I, I I needed help following the accident. I needed help bathing. I had to eat with my left hand you know you can imagine if i'm i can't really move my arm um some regular tasks became a challenge yes um yeah so uh that was that was difficult but yeah so i was in he's getting better when i was when i saw him kind of probably two weeks after after the injury as in terms of the pain was getting better um but obviously the the structure was still in the, the wrong mm. position were you surprised mm. at all Obviously, you've got the, I'll say advantage, but the advantage of the anatomy and the knowledge, and you've probably taught campus people again, you know, ideas of pain education and having confidence and feeling robust and trusting your body and all these things we tell patients and clients. What was it like for you? Did that help you or did you see yourself just turning into what patients turn into when they're told? These you things? mean um, in terms of like in my terms. personal knowledge? Yeah, did it help keep the fear down or did it did it just not play a part? Um in some ways, but then in other ways I'm still human and or so I'm led to believe. Um and that realization that I could have died, but not for the reason that originally were, you know, or he could have run over your head. You know, Mm. I went flying down the road apparently and um all other things, you know that actually literally it was a the thing that I suffered was so I was so close that that realization um that was a shock and that kind of took a while to to dawn on me um and then the other stuff that I don't think well I'm 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 super grateful for for everything that I have and I've had been through many surgeries and other things that kind of are learning experiences in in life um uh it was still quite difficult to not experience that this isn't fair um mm. and not again and um I was, I was quite angry as well at, at one stage. There was nothing literally I could have done to have, have prevented it or, or attenuated any um, severity of it. It was him being, uh, uh, it just didn't look. And I was in exactly the right position. And it was broad daylight, daylight and I was wearing bright colours. And <clears throat> so I was angry as well. And then then, then upset. <laughs> so so having the knowledge is, is good. And, and that helped me more I guess 
in the early stages by just being connected to people that that could could really help me out um, and as i said i'm eternally great grateful for everybody and all the messages of support as well um but yeah I, I, that didn't help at all uh when it came to the just the emotional stuff i guess mm. so as a rehabilitation specialist as yourself when did the rehabilitation start for you was it people telling you everything's going to be all right that you've been lucky was it the guy sitting down next to you the other cyclist and just kind of staying with you if you kind of restructured kind of when rehabilitation suddenly starts because you always think it's like okay let's get these weights and let's start these exercises but the whole process for you probably started a little bit before in terms of just um mm, that's a good question because it's so I, I got on the uh, so I've got a kind of spike here. I got on that as soon as I could um, after the the injury with it with a sling on. Um, <clears throat> was that your but, decision, or were you advised by someone else, or a combination? No, it was my or? decision. My decision. Yeah. Um, Did you run that by anybody? No. No. <laughs> well, by no. that time you were actually normal no. self. No. To be fair, to be fair, I did. So um, I had a chat with a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Brownlow, who's a very accomplished physio and. He, works with the EIS, talk to him around concussion and some other people as well around concussion too, because that that's just a complete, you know, I don't have experience with, with treating individuals with concussion or I've never experienced it before or known anybody. So I, I very much was reliant on, on them. And, you know, I was only joking before, mm-hmm. is this something that I can do? Is it something that's going to help? So I got agenda uh, up a little bit on the, the concussion research and how to try and manage and, and moderate the symptoms. That was difficult. That was really difficult because as I started to feel physically better, and this is pre-surgery, um, the the concussive symptoms were just crap, honestly. Like headaches um, were the worst things that were that were left. Um, so I'd do a cycle and I'd start or maybe it was only 120 watts or something ridiculous going to 130 watts was this okay and then then after 20 minutes okay that's fine leave it there and then I get a headache like half an hour later and uh, so it took a lot quite a while to, to be able to build that back up and and even today actually I push myself really hard not back on the, the road bike yet but stationary bike and uh, felt all right you know as in it was difficult but then Within a minute, I've gone. I'm feeling dizzy again. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so the the concussive symptoms were the hardest thing um, in the very acute stage to to manage. And how Work. are you? How do you know whether to keep on going, or how do you know? Do you need guidance, or do you just listen to anybody? How do you know whether some of it's to be expected? And you have to kind of push <clears> through it, or how, what guidelines I, do you use? I very much try not to push through anything because you know all the you. you you know, probably been way better than me. You know, the, it's rest is the, is what you need, and that's which is really it's easy to say. You know, give your brain a rest or work. And the, I, I couldn't work. You know, I literally couldn't look at the screen. And mm. It was it was um, again evocative in terms of symptoms. Mm. Um, but don't work. Don't. Uh, do anything that's really cognitively challenging. Don't look at a screen. Don't do this. <laughs> Are you meant to just lie in a black, dark room? You know, yeah. and then, you know, if, you, if you're used to being active and used to being doing a lot of things, it becomes a really challenging. 
Mm. Um, so what I did was just uh, try to progress things gradually. Mm. Um, and that even means um, going out in the car for a, a drive. Obviously, I wasn't driving, um, mm. but being able to even just go for a coffee, um, mm. they, they were just lingering and very unpleasant, but gradually doing a little bit more realizing the symptoms weren't getting worse um, or maybe it took longer for them to come on and then use those markers to progress. Um, so if I did something like uh, cycling was is something that I could really measure in terms of kind of wattage and duration. Um, if I felt okay, then I knew that either I could go for a bit longer or I could go a little harder and it'd be okay the next, you know, see how it was the next day. Uh, or, or if I got a headache afterwards or the next day, then I'd probably need to, at the very least, stay at that level, probably regress and do, do less and take a rest. So mm. that was really difficult, um, challenging, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that when we're entrusted with, with a client or a patient, it's trying to explain to them, isn't it, how to dose it, when to do not not – in lots of cases, you don't want to do nothing at all, especially with kind of loading stuff. It's a loading issue, but, but then you don't want to do too, too, too much. So, yeah, you've experienced what it's like to walk that fine line. And there's line. that recent, you know, kind of dialogue around concussion and, and that exercise is potentially good for it, you know, but at the right intensity. Mm. So it's like finding what that is. A Goldilocks zone, yeah. It's a, and, and, yes, face tricky, face tricky. We've got a lovely question here from M. Um, let's put it on the screen. People who listen to the podcast, you can't see this. But M Turner says, at this point, we're going back a little now, what was the worst that. aspect for you? Pain, worry about futurability, confusion, having to trust a team with your body? That's a really good question. Mm. Um, I can I can manage pain quite well. Um, I would say definitely worrying about my future ability. Um, so one, physical ability for sure. And then two, um, mental uh, and cognitive ability. Uh, how is this going to impact me? And given what I do for a living, you know, it's, it's quite important to me as well so that the unknown around the that as well was um again because i'd not experienced it i'd never recovered from that before um so you know it was definitely future stuff whilst i was very angry and upset potentially at certain times um prognosis of what what could happen or what i'd be able to do in in the future was, was probably the worst thing i guess out of that list Mm -hmm. great question em. yeah and a really yeah. good question that a therapist should come up with you know subjectively asking the person you know what's the worst what are you worried about what's your biggest fear yeah get to know the person i'm just jumping straight in good Catherine's come up with a cork as well let's have a look Catherine says do you think it has been a benefit that you're physically fit do you think this has helped you with your recovery i think so um it's been said to me a few times potentially and i will never know but given that i got a reasonable about amount of, of muscle mass around you know the the structures that got hit maybe that helped you know me protect me um but i think as well um tissue quality has been um so during surgery uh, it was remarked by uh, by graham totally strong that the tissue quality was really good which mm -hmm. helps when you're trying to repair structures 
so something that was going through my mind was this isn't like a new graft um, or an artificial thing that you're putting in there. You're literally putting damaged tissue together that needs to knit. Um, so when I'm thinking about loading it, that's something that's in, that's in my mind. So the fact that uh, the tissue quality was really good was, was really um, reassuring as well. So, you know, and we know when we deal with, with individuals who are, are physically fit in whatever way we describe fitness, they, they often um, are good with rehab and they often are good with progression. If anything, it's, it's kind of maybe holding them back a little bit. <laughs> Which, um, but yeah, I, I, it's probably stood me, I know it stood me in good said actually, Catherine. So good question. Great question, again. Catherine. Good question, yes. Um, let's have a look what was next in your um, fantastic thread here. What we got? Calm before the storm. So that was like moments before the actual surgery, yeah? All yeah, well, I love this. Is this. This is a bit like this is your life. <laughs> this is your life. Like Did you intentionally put a little back? What's the purpose <laughs> of the bikes there? Is yeah, that like a, well, that a. So I was in Cambridge, oh. uh, um, as an act of defiance. I've got my one of my cycling t-shirts on there. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was seeing that. <laughs> yeah. um, was that was that was it just coincidence, or were you actually thinking, I'm not going to? I don't know. Actually, I can't remember if I made that decision consciously, hmm. uh, or I just put it on. Um, <clears throat> mindful that I wouldn't be able to wear anything of photographic quality. Uh, my wardrobe after after surgery and, and after the accident consists of the um, the loveliest um, Morrison's Primark shitty like men shirts that you can get over an arm like you put something on. Fortunately, it was quite warm at that time. But yeah, the bikes are. It's obviously it's Cambridge. They're everywhere. Um, so yeah, this is the uh, the day before uh, surgery, but the um, no day of surgery. No, day, no, it? Literally what surgery. day is that? That 29th. is the twenty ninth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So headed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so um, obviously when Andy came out, and this was now twenty nine thirty. Then how many days in July? This so. must be really boring for everybody. No, it's not at all. Go. Believe it's not because it's a real. It's a case history, which is one which is interesting. It's you, which doubles it up as interesting as well, and it's useful. I like to think to know people to know how you are feeling. We'll get on to some of the more rehab, obviously, um, and how you manage that. Um, we're not going to do that actually in surgery. But you come out of surgery three days post um, sternocleidal joint um, stabilization surgery. Um, what was it? Far more painful than expected. Yeah. Far more tired than expected. Sling, re- sling oh, redesign slings. needed. I'll tell you what, we've, we've come up with the minchling. <laughs> so we're <a> complete <laughs> redesign. Of of the slings that you get given for certainly for SCJ um, dislocations and they just they just don't add the support where you need them. Um, but anyway, so I've, I've I've pulled a strap off where it holds it around your waist and put it another one kind of over my shoulder. It's making it comfortable for you, yeah. Well, you've got a problem there because you can see from the photo that gun is just bursting out and causing all sorts of compression issues. <laughs> Even though you put in the photo, my biceps have disappeared. Gone, you know? gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was, it was, I was, I'm so familiar with orthopedic surgery um, and I've had some, what did I have? First I had a, a scope, then I had an ACL, then what would it be? Then I had a discectomy. Then um, within six days, I had a, an emergency surgery, same place. Um, like kind of back 
versus needs, very different uh, <laughs> like kind of uh, consideration. So I was, I just know I knew I needed this surgery and I needed it fairly quickly. Um, and then after the consultation, yeah, it's, it's the right thing. Let's, let's just get it done. Fine. Oh, my words. <laughs> what a world of pain. I couldn't lift my head for two days. Um, the sternocoid and mastoid was so damaged at the uh, point of insertion. Mm. Um, I couldn't get out. I couldn't lie flat, to be honest with you, for about five days. And I was literally having to kind of lift my head um, to, to try and <laughs> move and then managed to get onto the sofa like that and then just watch the Olympics. Just thank God for the Olympics. That's all I did, just like, like this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, so, so, so painful. That wasn't expected at all. And, and subsequently, actually, a lot of neck um, uh, pain and spasm, um, again, something that didn't quite think about um, enough. <laughs> so I did a five-minute jog on the treadmill uh, just before I saw Joe Gibson. Uh, I think that's cool. That's cool. And then, um, in fact, just before I taught the course, and then for two days, I couldn't, again, move my head. It's like everything just seized up. It's, ah. um, so Where did that idea come from? Where did the five-minute job come from? Is it just something you I thought? I just thought I'd try it. You know, I was feeling yeah. good. I was feeling good. Didn't go ah. crazy. So I've been gradually adding things in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was, it felt all right. Um, I thought, if anything, it'd be kind of here with a jarring, but no, it was just all posterior. But, um so yeah um yeah and then you you can see all the atrophy that's happened over the like five weeks of just being like this yeah 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 (coughs) okay so let's let's talk about the rehab then because obviously how soon after surgery were you loading and officially what we what we regard as rehab um so the protocol protocol that was given to me um the day after surgery so i was in one night and then then came home on the saturday uh was sling for four weeks um completely no movement and um it that just didn't seem sensible to me you know here i understand i need to protect this um and the repair um but kind of rotational movement surely is okay and then mm. after a while surely just doing a little bit of of, of shoulder movement. so I did have a chat with um uh, the surgeon when he came around to see me after I saw the the physio um actually the way around and I said I'm, I'm just gonna do this is that all right you know like mm. and, I mean Joe was laughing at me when I was <laughs> saying that um <clears throat> and maybe a little bit of flexion and only to hear, not not nothing in kind of uh, that would jeopardise the the repair, and just yeah. being being really sensible about it. So after about uh, a week, uh, so I got rid of the sling. I think about a week and a half. It was far more uncomfortable than it was supportive. I felt like I was getting impingement in the right. in the shoulder joint. It was just awful, mm. um, and I felt like a better after a week. Could better hold my you know position um without the sling if i was going out so anything like that <clears throat> i'd wear it uh it did add a bit of support sometimes but also it's a cue for other people um mm. to not kind of run into you so i did i did wear it out for probably um 
maybe two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks. Mm. But by two weeks, I was holding drinks. Um, and yeah, so that's, so it was done on the 30th, I think, of July. So that's the 13th, 13th of August. Of August yeah. Um, so I was doing other movements yeah. and the bike is, again, I couldn't do anything for a week. It was just mm. trying to get the pain under control. And was the advice, because you saw a few people, including Joe Gibson, was did the advice vary depending who you talked to? Or So I, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I didn't see Joe until um, a week last Monday. Oh, right. Um, Jack. And I, I was doing <clears throat> my own thing. Mm. So gradually improving, increasing range of motion. I checked in with some other friends of mine, Andrea Bailey. Yeah. She's a, a, a great physio friend of mine. A couple of other people as well. Just mm. uh, just get a sense check on, you know, the, the protocol <clears throat> was no loading. So complete immobilization for four weeks. Yeah. Then at six weeks, I could start to feed myself and lift tea and coffee. And then at eight weeks, I could start swimming. I was like, hang on a minute. That's, that just doesn't, you know, with no, like, kind of no judgment. Yeah. No, it just, it just didn't sit, sit right with me. So I felt like I could, I could progress more quickly than that and actually yeah. make it a little bit um, more joined up. So, yeah, I was, I was loading a little bit more, um, but also doing the opposite side as well. So many of you may have heard me talk about the cross-education effect before. Um, so I was, when it felt comfortable enough, I'd be doing stuff on the left side and then also stuff on, on the legs as well. So that, to be honest, didn't happen till about two weeks after surgery. It's just still really sore. And again, I didn't want to jeopardize from the other side. Um, and still I was getting, I was getting concussive symptoms. As well, so of course, a bit in a bit dizzy. Um, so, so just a bit more that, that cross education was... effect. People aren't familiar with just it. had the paper accepted for publication actually last um, on Saturday. Um, on the, that was on the ACL population, but strength training the opposite side. So, in this case, it would be the non injured side, and I mean strength training proper here. So, that's like three to five rep max. Um, <clears throat> can in individuals who are let's say healthy but untrained can um, bring about a strength gain on the non-trained limb in individuals that are potentially injured and or have had surgery or are casted then again strength training on the non-affected side can attenuate the losses on the injured reconstructed etc side so with the ACL population, we had them doing three to five rep max training two weeks after surgery on the non-operative leg. Um, and that halved, so that was for eight weeks, and that halved the um, losses seen in quadriceps strength at 10 weeks. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's proven efficacious in, in several, well, mainly ACL populations clinically, um, but um has also shown an effect in upper limb too. So I was doing, started that when I, when I could. Very interesting. A proposed mechanism for that? Um, neural. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't exactly know, um, mm -hmm. but there's the potential spillover effect in the cortex. Mm -hmm. um, 
and effectively or essentially it keeps or helps prevent the de-innovation of the principally faster twitch motor units muscle fibers in the injured side um mm-hmm. rather than kind of that complete inhibition and shutdown and that can happen potentially at the cortical level, some say potentially at the spinal cord level as well. And there's probably some other systemic changes that are happening too. But yeah, it's there's, there's no influence on cross-sectional area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's purely on the on strength. Very interesting, which again, redefines this whole idea of just rest, rest, if you're able to do some rehab on the other, or exercise on the other side. That's, yeah, that's big, that's good. Okay, and that's uh, you mentioned that in your course, don't you? If I remember rightly, is that something you go into? Yeah, yeah, we we often talk about it actually. Once mm-hmm. once people have got into the um, uh, probably just five key modules, so probably around about module three after we've got the fundamentals in place, then mm. then we start to talk about some of these other um, potentially more sciencey um, strategies that you can use with with people with injury. So yeah, that's that's a really fascinating yeah. absolutely fascinating Quite effectively one and you mentioned the, the the three to five rep which you know is, is is lovely to talk about what about with your um injured arm how did you decide whether you were going for kind of force or velocity or high reps low reps what, what so i'm still the- progressing that right now and and i'm feeling like i'm i've got a really good basis to do that and the past couple of weeks have just been great but really it's about um acceptance and tolerance of of load within the tissue um and progressive so i've gone by literally uh how it feels mm. i've got a rough i know what i can or could before i was injured i know what i could lift um and it was just literally starting with a two kilogram weight to start with does that feel okay um and gradually I'm, I'm using that guide a little bit as well you know when when should i not be doing full flexion you know the shoulder joint mm. um or when is it potentially that i could start doing that and probably bring that forward a little bit if it feels okay and I, so i've been going by my symptoms as well and then you know thinking about the tissue remodeling so kind of around about four weeks started to load it um and doing so partial range um reps so one of the first things i was doing um for the shoulder joint was a a landmine press Mm -hmm. but just like a partial range so kind of not full uh, uh, full range of motion but it felt good to load the tissue Mm -hmm. and i think you know yourself if you've ever been injured you know the difference between something that doesn't you know feels threatening and something that feels um good to, to load the tissue and it wasn't nothing to failure nothing really heavy it was just about putting load back into that tissue okay. and what you know that was oh gosh i don't know i have loads more you know i'd be putting weights on it rather than um so i guess that would probably be about 30 percent of of what i could do mm-hmm. um some of the blood flow restriction stuff earlier on that was just gripping and and isometric contractions okay. and again if you're doing blood flow restriction training that's around about again 30 percent of your one rep max um and that's probably as much to keep my myself sane <laughs> as well to to keep things ticking over um but yeah so a, 
then from that point, um, improving range of motion. So I, I was always trying to keep the uh, rotational movement and loaded rotational movement without flexing the shoulder joint initially, then coming through into establishing more uh, shoulder flexion, loaded shoulder flexion. And then um, other things than how else I could tolerate the load. So remember the first time, it must have been about a week and a half ago when I first picked up an Olympic bar. So from the floor, that felt all right. Okay, so I did a, a few things like that. Dumbbell squats, again, not maximal. And this is where maybe you're thinking about reps in reserve. So I'd keep maybe four or so in, in reserve just to get the loading into the tissue. Does it feel okay? Can you progress on? Yes, it feels all right the next day. And then last week I did 75 kilo deadlifts, you know, and that that felt all right. It's the, the you know, the neck thing. Mm. Okay. So just, you know, there's no, there's no, complex calculation and systems um but i guess if you boil it down i'm looking at shoulder joint i'm looking at my neck i'm looking at load tolerance mm. um and i'm also looking at adaptation so I, i'm just this week started to lift more heavily were you happy having yourself as your own rehabilitator or at times do you think you needed someone else to you talk about as if you're treating yourself in the third person. And sometimes I think I just needed that to feel good about myself. And normally that's what somebody else gives, you know, a client noticing they're a bit down. And so let's give them something they could do to make them feel, beat them up and stuff. But you're doing this to yourself. So was there like a conversation going on or? Um, so I was checking in with, with a couple of, of friends. And then obviously I went to see Joe Gibson as well. Um, mm. So that was, look, I'm, I'm not doing what the protocol says. I'm, I'm, I'm way ahead of that, but I feel okay. Can you just guide me into? Uh, look, I've, I've never seen one of these before. Obviously, I've seen a healthy one on me. I've seen two, <laughs> but, but I don't know. It feels it feels right from a tissue perspective. What I what I think I know about that. I think it feels okay from a loading perspective, an adaptation perspective. This makes sense to me. What am I missing? What looks wrong, or anything that can be improved? Because um, she's she's the the shoulder guru, isn't she? So. Um, she was really helpful. Um, she reassured me a lot, which meant a lot, actually, you know, because I'm, I'm doing this without any real guidance. And I guess the people that have had this before, certainly where I went, they weren't, um, maybe they weren't quite like me. Maybe they, they needed a more conservative approach, whereas I felt I could push on uh, more quickly. So Joe reassured me on that. She thought I was doing the right thing, she was doing well, gave me a couple of um, things to think about, gave me some great exercises to help um, with priming before I did some some work. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, she was a, a great help, and, and both from an exercise suggestion and um, kind of prescription perspective, but also from a, <clears throat> a reassurance from, you know, authority in – in the field um so yeah it was it was really good to to to, to go see her she was so do you think is the protocol of failure is it one of the bad sadly the bad things where if you imagine other patients being handed this on a 1998 photocopy black and white off you go that's what you need to do it's funny we had a conversation there was a there's a bit of a thread of that on on twitter and and, and um 
you know, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult one because you need to protect and respect the the surgery, but you need to as well understand that individual in front of you and if that person is sedentary isn't really used to doing very much maybe their tissue quality isn't quite as as good as it could be then maybe that conservative or more conservative approach might just be fine but if there's an opportunity to go a little quicker uh, and by that, I don't mean like an accelerated approach. I mean, thinking about the remodeling process of tissue, thinking about um, getting people back to work, getting people back to function mm. and, you know, the, the psychological effects, you know, of just feeling completely dependent. And that was another thing. Oh, God, just felt like so useless. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't cook, but mm. drive. Um, so if, if there's a way that actually we can do rotational movements as long as the patient knows they're not to kind of, you know, do any flexion or anything beyond that, then Mm. actually, no, that's a really good thing to do. And then if that feels okay, then, so it's a difficult one. If you don't see, if you don't have that interaction with the patients regularly, maybe it's It's almost like there's a missing follow-up, you know, there's a missing conversation before you're sent off just to say, look, who are you? How are we going to do this for you? It's kind of yeah. I I wondered. It it made me think about um, how we approached older populations and um, OA, for example, Mm. and even osteopenia and osteoporosis. Stay away from heavy loads Mm. because that's threatening. Well, in actual fact, we don't want to stay away from heavy loads because. We need heavy loads for adaptation in the right way, in a progressive way, um, and to help combat sarcopenia and to improve joint stability and to improve bone mineral density and mitigate the consequences of falls. Um, we need to put that stimulus into the system to get that ad- adaptation. But it's, yeah. And I, again, I guess it's something that's because it's not like an ACL where there's how many tens of thousands of research papers on it it's something that's still <laughs> in its infancy i guess for from research looking at the different types of individuals or different categories of of surgery and goals as well we were talking a couple of weeks ago with jamie johnston about fear avoidance model and that's kind of ringing in my ear as well because yeah as soon as you say to someone like we're going to mobilize this for four weeks and you can, like you just said, this person could end up um, avoiding things, having fear and never go back to work and never pick up their grandchildren again. And you described yeah. how unwell you felt not being able to do stuff. So imagine somebody who's secluded, isolated, haven't got enough to take them out. So, yeah, it rings alarm bells for me. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be, you know, come across as being really uh, critical of, of it, but it does... It, and anybody uh, individually, but I, my my gut just—I've seen a similar thing in us in, in other environments where we've actually progressed on because we've known a little bit more and we've researched a little bit more, and it feels like we could we could do that um, potentially um, with this and and clearly other um, areas too. But um, 
yeah, it's easy to say, but how easy is it to do with? Mm. But it's all part of this treat the person, not treat the injury. The protocol yeah. is based on the injury, isn't it? It's all very structural and this and that, and that mustn't move, but there's a person on the end of that. And that's probably the biggest factor, isn't it, in terms of movement and fear and pain and stability and all that stuff. But I don't know, putting that into practice is tricky, but I think it's part of the bigger picture. But anyway, fortunately, bum, 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 look at this. People can't see this on uh, the uh, podcast, obviously, but look <laughs> at that back to form. It's almost Not like quite. that. <laughs> Not quite, obviously, for the perfectionist. But um, yeah, uh, you're missing this on the uh, podcast, but you've got fantastic tricep, bicep, lat thing, delts going on there. Um, and beautiful picture in the background as well. Yeah, um, nice. That was part of you. You said finally managed to get away for a couple of days rehab with a view. I bet that helped as well. I bet that was a lovely place to do oh, rehab yeah, for the right great. reasons as well. Yeah. So fantastic. my only holiday of the year was meant to happen the Monday after I got knocked off my bike on the Friday. So that didn't happen. <laughs> so, and then you know, all the surgery, the injury and surgery and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it was really nice just to get away to the, that was the peaks, actually. Um, had some great weather and some some walking yeah, and, um, yeah, doing rehab in the in the garden there. It was, it was good. So, yeah. we've mentioned your course. Has this, I'm interested in hearing where we're going to have to finish up soon, so I appreciate people have got to get away. But has this experience kind of made you rethink certain elements of your course at all? Or is it kind of, or maybe not change the structure of your course, but change you as a person who's kind of the way you're thinking. And um, so, I think what's reassuring is that I, I, I have been applying all the principles. And I would say this, wouldn't I? So it's reinforced. Uh, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's reinforced um, what you were yeah, saying before. You know, kind of understanding what it is that I want to achieve, then applying the exercises to to do that. Um, such that now I am building up to on certain movements a three to five rep max, which is which is great, or maybe a, a one one in reserve. But I'm starting to progress that now, which is which is fantastic. Uh, and it was a, a progressive approach to doing that. Um, and in terms of me as, a, as an individual, um, again, it's another another prod to just say take stock, be thankful for what you have. And, um, you know, there were times where I, I couldn't work at all and it forces you to take a, a breather and, and just kind of look around you. So, um, yeah, I think it's just another reminder of, of that and um, the importance of, of other things uh, and people and family and friends and as I said, I'm so so blessed to, to know so many lovely, lovely people that have helped me as well. So, um, yeah, I'm eternally grateful <laughs> for that. Fantastic. OK, right. Well, look, it's uh, nine, uh, 11 people. There is a couple of questions there. I think, um, Becky, your question has been answered there. Has your experience changed your views at all? Um, M here just showed appreciation for this. What can I do mentality yes. over what can't I do every day of the week? Love it. Yeah, very motivational. It's that's the important thing, isn't it? That's a positive side. So I'm I'm so fortunate. You know, I had psychological support all along the mm. way, and um, it's it's that that makes sense. You know, positive psychology rather than you know the the negative. Well, not negative psychology, but what you can't do is you might end up doing exactly the same thing. But if you've got a mindset of forward thinking, I found it really really difficult at times. I really did, 
and at times where I've just had enough, utterly had enough. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. Hang on a minute. You know, just have that breakdown, <laughs> but then reframe it and then look, look what you've got, look where you're headed, look what a position you're in and, you know, kind of what, I, you know, that, that can do attitude, I think. Fantastic. Right. Um, so just in case you missed it at the beginning of the show, people, if you've liked what you've heard um, and somebody who's so dedicated to their philosophy about strength and conditioning, they actually drive into a car just to prove a point. Then... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's put this to practice. To research. It's like the wing mirror off, the front panels are knackered, both of them. <laughs> oh, but uh, yes, but um, yeah, who's had the chance to put what they 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 they. Um, teach into practice although i wish you hadn't had that opportunity obviously but yeah then the details are just to repeat um let's just put this on solo then go along to getbacktosport.com so getbacktosport.com and you've got um courses there and we're talking in particular about this course that um, enrollment closes 17th of september there's plenty of people in the comments who said they've done the course um, and recommend it I recommend it to any um, soft tissue therapist who comes to my doors and recognize that they uh, want to feel more confident in, in uh, strength and conditioning and how to help their clients with loading and all the different variables and things they've got to take into consideration and to be evidence informed, which is the big one. Because remember, we say it all the time, there's plenty of courses out there which look great, flashy, um, and will help you part with your money, but they just not, they don't start with that foundation of evidence. But that's where you've got to start off from. Um, and then add to that slowly. If you don't know how something's working, then you can start thinking. But um, so, yeah, um, totally recommend this course. But just to repeat, if you listen to the podcast, it does close 17th of September. What I'll do is make sure this is uploaded uh, tomorrow so you guys can hear it. So you should still have a few uh, days left to book onto that if you want to. Um, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, don't, I hope you don't think this has been boring. This is your life. It's been great. It's been wonderful. And I'm sure it'll help a lot of therapists because, um, yeah, it's um, you've raised so many points that we can now use and appreciate when we do see people have been through any form of trauma. And it could just be a runner who's just kind of sprained their ankle a bit. They're still probably going through this problem where they can't run and it's like the grieving process and the fear and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's one thing I'm going to you know a pull out that that this is that it's that particularly if you're working with with athletes as well or people that are physically active there is a sense of loss and like you said a grievance and you know if you if you're able to hear somebody and, re, and I mean just hear what they're saying not just listen but understand that that can help dramatically with somebody's buying to you and to the process and and also to help them feel better um so yeah i'm thankful that i have that <laughs> that's good that's great and we're thankful that you did too right um thank you so much for giving us your time it's good to see uh, that you're on the mend um and people if you want to, if people want to talk to you um what's the best way of contact you is it through the website or social media so, um yep yeah, well twitter at claire underscore minchel so i'm active on twitter i'm also on instagram at get back to sports and then um the email address thinks also on the, the website. If you had, you know, if you've got any questions about the course, please do let me know. Um, get in touch with me direct. Really happy to answer any of them. Um, and just and reach also, out as well. Yeah, before I forget, Mr. Gary, I can't help but give things away for free. Um, oh, is Gary, uh, also, and you forgot that. Um, if you um, have listened to tonight's show, um, then type into the comment box here. Um, what should we say? 
I want to get back to sport. Yeah, type, I want to get back to sport. And then um, what we'll do is we'll give it a week and, and we will pick um, one of the members of the STA. Unfortunately, you do need to be a member of STA for this. But we'll pick from everybody who types, I want to get back to sport in the comment box, um, uh, a winner who will um, go on this course. Okay, free place. So How free amazing place, is thanks that? Thanks to Gary oh. Benson, founder of the Sports Therapy Association. So, yeah, get typing, people. There's still a few, a few of you here. You may as well type it now before you go. Remember, you need to type, I want to get back to sport. And that enters you for the prize. Right, there we go. Thanks, Claire. So nice to see you again. Oh, so glad pleasure. to see you on the mend. And, um, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Um, oh, next yeah. week, don't go away. I'm going to just um, sign off now, but don't close your camera down. I'll say thank you personally as well. Next week, uh, stick around, people. We are going to be talking live to Mr. Irish physio himself, Luke Murray. Um, who you may follow on Twitter. If you don't, then definitely someone worth following. Um, definitely a personality with a lot of experience. He's doing some very exciting things, moving back to Ireland um, after working within football a lot. Um, and yeah, he's going to join to talk us about, we're going to start doing a series, certain episodes on specific things. So he's going to be talking about lumbar radicular pain. So if you do work with patients who've got symptoms of sharp shooting, narrow bands of pain going down the length of their leg, then this is one that you want to listen to. And that'll be with Luke Murray. Same time, same place uh, next Tuesday. Right. I'm <laughs> just looking at the comments here. They caught me off guard. I want to get back to sport. I want to get back to sport. That's it, people. If you're a SDA member, type in there. I want to get back to sport and you'll be entered, entered uh, for a free place on the strength and conditioning for therapists with the one and only Dr. Claire Mitchell. Right, guys, take care of each other and we'll see you next Tuesday. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.